It's my pleasure to bring uh, the pleasures of the discoveries of the world of art presented at the Lagoon Art Museum. And my guest will be the Director of Communications, Cody Lee. We'll be right back after a station break. Welcome back to the show. This is Claudia Shambaugh taking over this week for Kimberly Martin, and it's a pleasure to be featuring the Laguna Art Museum. So right now, uh, we're going to welcome Cody Lee. He's Director of Communications at the Laguna Art Museum, here to talk about the current exhibitions and the treasures that keep coming at the Laguna Art Museum. As Director of Communications, Cody is responsible for the public relations, the well, all the all the good platforms that they are presenting their museum promotions on and digital media. Oh, he's been there since he's uh, been there for f- four years now. He previously held positions with the Bowers Museum, Long Beach Museum of Art, and Utah Museum of Fine Arts. He serves on committees for the California Association of Museums, Southern California uh, Museum, and the Johns Hopkins University. Cody has a Bachelor's of Art in Art History from the University of Utah and a Master's of Art in Museum Studies from Johns Hopkins University. Cody Lee, welcome to Real People of Orange County. Thank you, Claudia. Thanks for inviting me on the show today. Well, thank you. I was so glad I got a chance to um, step in and help Kimberly out and bring out what I think needs its broadest due. We can offer what's currently installed at Laguna Art Museum. There was the rollout about two weeks ago, the art and nature theme. And in that, you were showcasing a an LA-based artist. His name. I'm always a. I'm a little rusty always on Yorgo's name. So, introduce his name to us. Sure, I'm happy to. That artist is Yorgo Alexopoulos, and as you were just describing, he's the commissioned artist for our annual Art and Nature program, which took place about two weeks ago. Um, the event's already happened, but the exhibition stays on through January 5. So we're really excited to tell people more about it and to give them some time to visit this year. And the timing I like having that it's for people to take it in, understand, uh, you know, that what's what they're in for and start putting this down when there's a little extra time with some of the holidays for people to swing by the Laguna Art Museum. If you haven't been there, this is a, just a pleasure to make sure everybody has this on their radar. So the his large scale installation, it's 360 degree azimuth featuring a two channel video projection in sound with landscape. He had personally has taken all of those images and it's his brother that does the sound. It's like an it's total inside job. And it, it is, as I understood from your media rollout, Cody, it's like a, it's a culmination of many years of his taking these images when he's sort of transitioned away from his painting career, Correct. That's exactly right. I'm not sure how many years in total, but I know that he's been kind of collecting that imagery and that footage and video 
for, for many, many years to create what we see in the gallery right now. So I'm going to have you think about, while I'm trying to tee up a little bit of what people are in for, I'd like you to sort of talk about what experiences you can convey to us of visitors coming to see that since the, the rollout a couple of weeks ago. But it's an immersive, and well, there's it's the for, for those of you who've already been to the Laguna Art Museum, it's the main gallery. It's been blacked out. Or, or there's, I'm sure, a technical word that art people say. And there is this large projection on one wall, and it's it's dark with the with the blackened surfaces. And there is, it's a 15-minute loop, but uh, the artist says that's not material, but I just want people to know 15 minutes, and it seamlessly rolls from scene to scene all around, literally all around the globe. And I'm not giving a thing away, because you don't know what you're in for till you're there. So what was your, what, talk about your experience of it and what are patrons thinking when they're traipsing through there? And are they staying? Are they staying like for like a couple of rotations? They are. I think people are staying for a good amount of time in the room. And as, as staff, we find that we have the same experience. Sometimes we think we might ah. pop in just for a moment to see what it looks like. And it's kind of mesmerizing and immersive and, and kind of such a wonderful experience that we stay longer than we guessed. So it's a really nice place to spend time, and, and we're happy that people are having that sort of experience because I think it's designed for that and kind of lends itself to slowing down and experiencing something visually rather than moving on too quickly to the next thing. Is this something of a premiere for him to present this? Um, I'm not sure about that. He's done work like this in the past. So he's had some exhibitions in other museums and in galleries with installations that are, I think, technically like this. Um, I I think, as far as I know, it may be one of the largest, or at least among the largest works that he's done. As you described, this is in our, our um, what we call the Steel Gallery, which is the oldest and largest space within the museum, and it takes up one entire wall. So the projection itself is about 14 feet tall and 48 feet wide. So it's you know, larger than life and, and is actually very, very large. So I think in, in those ways it may be a first, or at least among the largest works for him so far. And I, I have to say, I, I thought, well, I'll be really cool, and I'm going to share this with my offspring, and, you know, I'm going to take a little slice of it on my cell phone, and it was totally inadequate. It's a much larger piece of work, so everybody has to personally show up there before the, the it's the 5th of January next year? It's closing? That's right. Okay. So, uh, and the music, it's it's moody, it's, uh, it's, an, it's a lovely pairing, and... Yeah, and it's like you said, it's it behooves one to give it a couple of different goes, you know, different visits, and or or while one's visiting. And we're gonna we're gonna talk about everything that's going on at the Lagoon Art Museum right now. So, any patron stories? Any patron stories? Yeah. Today? Gosh, that's a good question. We it it seems like it's been a long time, but it hasn't <laughs> been at all. That we actually just finished um, the museum's gala which was in September. So, of course, lots of patrons turn up to that to offer their but, support. But for this exhibit, for the, for for the 360 as sorry. Gosh, not yet. I, I've, I've seen a lot of people spending time, and I kind of try to give them space. So, so far, I haven't talked to people inside the exhibition, but we're hearing really good things and a lot of good feedback. Um, this is kind of special to us because, um, as we mentioned, this was commissioned for the Museum's Art and Nature program. It's the seventh year that the museum had a commission for art and nature. And in all that time, this is the first installation that's been inside the museum. So every year for art and nature, we talk to our, the artists who selected and ask them to create something special just for this program. And for the first six of them, every artist decided to make something outdoors and, and on Main Beach. 
So we had some performances that lasted a couple of hours and a couple of other installations that lasted for a couple of days. And for the first time this year, um, because it was his choice, Yorgo decided to bring an installation inside the building. So for that reason, we have less limitations for time than it would be in a public space. So we're really excited that it's on now for a couple of months rather than just for a couple of days. And for that reason, I think um, we're, we're getting, as you described, repeat visitors and, and people coming to see it maybe who couldn't have otherwise if it were here just for one weekend. I think I, I've been there a total of three times now, and I'm not done yet. So and I, one time I came with a friend, herself with a background in performance artistry, and she she was interested in, you know, getting a little more of a ride up here. She wanted to know more about his body of work, and it's 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 there's a summary at the entrance, and so she she wanted to know, you know, what what else he's done to sort of understand where where he was, where he's come from, that kind of a thing. So it's a, but it's it's, oh, it's 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 lovely. So are you finding all ages are coming in there? Anybody any any age group stand in there longer than another group, or just anything like that? I think yes to both. I, I try to avoid generalizations, but I'll tell you that I oh, think young people ahead. are enjoying it more than usual because I'm seeing um, a lot more tags on Instagram and I'm seeing people, you know, who maybe in that room look younger than people in another room or something like that. But I, I don't want to say that too much because I think that people of all ages and people who even like different styles and types of art will really enjoy this exhibition because it's visually aesthetic and a great looking experience, but it also kind of gives you a moment to pause and, and think about almost anything that you'd like. Anything, anything. And I, I, I want to, um, I, I guess there's a, there is a curator story or how, how you found the dance and you found Yorgo and he found you and you can tell us about that. And I'd like also to find out, you know, you put quite a, a program together at that two week ago Art and Nature sort of planned events. And I, I just want to say how remarkable among the things I was able to do, I couldn't do everything, unfortunately, but the there was a film that Malcolm Moore, the executive director, had found at a film festival that he brought for presenting at the museum, A Boy's Dream, uh, that was just it fits so beautifully. And there's always those kinds of things. So we're going to we're going to folks, we're going to capture all the treasures that you can find that constantly are coming out of the Lagoon Art Museum. And for those of you just tuned in, my guest is Cody Lee, Director of Communications at the Lagoon Art Museum. And he's talking about the current exhibit right now and how people are taking that in. So tell, how, how did you find your, how did he find you? How, what's the dance story there? It's, in a nutshell, it's a lot of work between our director and in this case, our Curator of Education. Um, our director, Dr. Malcolm Warner, and our Curator of Education, Marinta Scoopin, have been kind of the art and nature team since its beginning. They, they kind of invented it uh, in its first iteration and, and are the team behind it. So Malcolm often for selecting the artist and Marinta often uh, and mostly for, for the programming that surrounds it. So they've been doing that together since 2013 and, and you know, on now into our seventh year. Uh, Malcolm has been working probably since about, you know, a year before the event with Yorgo to you know, to invite him to be the artist and, and to sort of create the work in the meantime. And during that time, Marinta put together the incredible program of events that you that you described a little bit ago. So, and also currently, and you'll let, let us know how long uh, this is going to be, there is Lori Brown's photography, which brings the landscapes that 
we from Southern California might know, could know, might not recognize that the photography that makes abstract this the scape the scape the landscape of our region around sort of newly groomed sort of infrastructure and it's a lesson on how an abstraction can make an area totally unidentifiable and it is a sort of a marker of how fleeting a landscape is in southern california cuz some of these those there some of them date back around the the late uh, the early 2000s or the 1990s and some of them are not recognizable anymore. so talk about Lori Brown's exhibit of photography exactly we we like to think of this one also as being complementary to art and nature even though it wasn't commissioned for that it's a separate exhibition it's very complementary because it gives people sort of an opportunity to think about environmental issues um, the the environment that we see around us and then maybe the larger environment beyond that. So as you described, Lori's photographs in this case are mostly from the late 90s and early 2000s. There are some series in Las Vegas, but probably a greater number of works in the show are from, from places nearby. Some of them are from Newport Beach, Crystal Cove, Santa Margarita, and, and other places in Orange County, coastal and south Orange County. And you see a lot of photos here. These are, these are gelatin silver prints, so she takes them on actual film and develops them. They're not digital. So they're actually really uh, beautifully detailed, and, and many of them large format. So during this time, during all these decades, in fact, she's been taking photographs to sort of document um, humans' humans' relationships to the land in this area especially. So we see sometimes places that are unrecognizable um, to us where they are now because they look like untouched landscapes, or some of them start to look like, you know, Martian landscapes because the ground is all all churned up and, and just sort of churned. raw dirt and rocks and things like that. And then totally. later they start to reveal that some of those, those places and those scenes are actually the, the beginnings of towns that are now, you know, towns that we're familiar with but that didn't really exist in Orange County 30 years ago. So you see in some ways this rapid development of infrastructure and, and the growth of cities. Um, but in other ways you see sort of the contrast between, between the city and the landscape and, and how it transitioned during that time. And when I first saw this, and when you were around, and I had to raise my my sort of snarky insight about that, oh, underneath all of this highly groomed, dredged, reef-shaped, groomed, uh, these areas, underneath all that was a, a very affluent indigenous civilization. <laughs> and we're, it's, it's all covered up. And, and Lori Brown, I think, is she's talking about civilizations and the, the sort of stacking up. She's not talking specifically to the ones that, were un, that, that lived and thrived underneath all these areas, but it's civilizations stacking up as a theme are in there. But I, I would love to have a Native American docent bring people through and talk about, you know, that this is one layer, and let's think deeply about all the layers underneath where these photographs are depicting the, the turf. That's a great perspective because, you know, what we see on the surface are, are these places that seemed undeveloped and now are completely developed and groomed. And we think of that maybe, some people may think of that anyway as a blank slate, but that's not really the case because, as you just described, there were, there were people here before that. So this wasn't exactly a, an uninhabited place or a raw place, but... In fact, it's a place that's undergone lots of transition, um, and what we see in these photographs are, are of course, very recent, but quick transitions. Um, there are a couple of works 
near sort of the entrance of the exhibition where Lori has juxtaposed photographs from different places. There are a few that look, um, I hope I'm not incorrect, but they look to me sort of like Mayan pyramids or structures from like Central America. Perhaps, oh, yeah. yeah. Where she's sort of juxtaposed those with images from around here and, and maybe images of maps as well. So she's not being literal in saying that this landscape is that landscape, but absolutely you get the implication that we should think of um, or could at least think of other cultures and, and times much much longer ago than the 1990s. It's really, it, it's very interesting. That's downstairs, folks. So if you're wondering, like, where is everything? Cause it, and everything is quite accessible. It's very easily navigated. So I don't know if do you have a favorite. Do we go on to the etchings by Mildred Bryant Brooks, all upstairs? And that's that's part of the Laguna Art Museum permanent collection. Is that correct, Cody? Yeah, that's right. Mildred Bryant Brooks, um, like like almost everybody we show here, is a California artist. She grew up in Long Beach and attended USC um, and was active, um, most active probably during the 1930s and 40s or so. Um, and the works that we have here are from our permanent collection of 44 etchings that she made. That was that was her primary medium. Um, so you imagine with etching, it's it's sort of like an engraving process, and then it's printed onto a paper, and the museum has 44 of those. And they're not often seen because works like that are, are delicate. They're sensitive to light, and they can't be handled much. And that's oh. sort of thing. So they're, they're safest when we can't see them, which means that we don't get to see them often. So it's been a little while, I think, since these have been seen, and we're really happy to have a group of them out. I, I should have counted before I hopped on line with you, but I think we okay. have probably about 15 or 20 of those on view right now. And they're, they're really, really beautiful things. Um, they're hard to represent digitally because they're hard to photograph, but when someone can see them in person, you get a real appreciation for the, the skill that, that Mildred Bryant Brooks had to create the detail that you see on these papers. And, and most of them, um, just to give an idea of what they look like, many of them are almost, I would say, portraits of trees. She definitely appreciated the natural environment nearby as she was living and working in Laguna Beach for a long time. So trees are, are a frequent subject for her, and they look all different ways. Some of them look like trees that we're used to, but some of them don't. But she's she's absolutely uh, seems to be enamored with trees, and so they're kind of these sometimes fantastic landscapes to look at. And, and another nice counterpart to the different elements of nature that we have kind of as a theme throughout our exhibitions this fall. And she's doing this during the Depression. That's where this work comes from. Exactly. Uh, most of these works are from the 30s and 40s, and, and some of them... Were, were sort of prize winners at that time. Mildred Bryant Brooks, even though she was based here in California, was, was among just a few etchers on the West Coast, or, or at least west of the Mississippi, in fact, who was getting much recognition. So we know that one of them in this exhibition won a prize from the Chicago Society of Etchers, which, which sounds great, but it's even more great to imagine that she was all the way in California and being recognized in the middle of the country for the great work she was doing. And I dare say that probably women weren't exactly on the easy escalator in getting recognition for their work. So she's prop. This probably is quite the feat that she was able to get their attention. And I, I don't know. Do you know any sort of background on her uh, relationship with the the art community in Laguna Beach or Southern California, or with any of the greats that were moving through the the Southwest? Any like George O'Keefe stories or Steichen or anybody else stories? Um, I, I don't know any names that are quite that big, but we do know um, from some of the research that our team has done here that she she had a lot of guidance from a person called Arthur Millier, who was uh, who was an artist but also an art critic for the Los Angeles Times at that time. Um, so she she kind of found him as a mentor, I think, 
And she, in addition to being an artist, was also a teacher. She taught at the Sydney Art Institute um, and, and was a lecturer on etching. So with her recognition in that work and, and sort of good connection with the LA Times, at least she was, I think, very well recognized here and, and kind of a leading figure in that medium especially. And for those that are really savvy in the art, and I know you know this, but uh, the, there's the, also the aqua tint technique, because I, I had the benefit of an artist that who does etchings and lino cuts and things, I guess she does. But um, there's quite a bit of technique going on in how she's able to get this very, uh, it's otherworldly texture coming through. Absolutely. And it's, it's great for us to look at these and imagine now that many of them are, you know, 80 or 90 years old, but you can still see them almost as fresh as they might have looked when they were made because the detail is so fine. They're really great looking. They really, really are. Then in the, let's see, that was upstairs. And then on the main floor in this installation, it's, wait a minute, let's go back though. For uh, Mildred Bryant Brooks, her work will be on display until January 12th of next year. So there's. That's right. And then the Thomas Hunt California Modernist, all on display now until also January 12th. I guess you got to move everything at the same time. Exactly. So, We're kind of a small museum. We change exhibitions three times a year, so the entire building changes at once. Um, but we, we like that. It kind of keeps us fresh. We're. We're focused on California art, but we like to represent a lot at once. So at the moment, we have um, photographs and etchings that are nearly 100 years old and a brand new work created this year. And why not add a fourth one? So we have the Thomas Hunt exhibition, uh, which is closer to the turn of the century and mostly painting. So that, that kind of exhibition looks more like what people often expect to see in Laguna Beach when they, when they want to see the great painters of Southern California from the 1920s and 30s. This is really the kind of thing they're imagining, I think. As you say on your website, he's a Canadian Impressionist. Oh, he's a son of a Canadian Impressionist and uh, I guess spent time in Cleveland. And just tell us a bit about him to sort of tease people to come in and look at his work. It's it's just lovely. It's Yeah, it's really great. So it, it definitely has an Impressionistic look to it, and it's really familiar looking to people who know the sort of the landscape painters and outdoor painters of Southern California from that time. Uh, what's interesting to me about Thomas Hunt is that he painted mostly in Southern California and mostly in Massachusetts. He sort of split time between Southern California and Gloucester, Massachusetts. So he gets, you know, sort of a variety of seascapes. We're used to, those of us in Orange County anyway and south of here are used to seeing, you know, a flat beach and a sunny sky and blue water. And, and mountains and sycamores. Exactly. We, we know what those landscapes look like and what the light looks like throughout the year, and, and we're pretty familiar with that. But to see, so we see that, but we also see his scenes from Massachusetts, which are, of course are much different. The landscape is, you know, sometimes more rocky. The water is gray and the sky is gray, and maybe there's a little bit more drama in the landscape or something like that. So it's really nice to see that, you know, he was appreciating that and so successfully representing that in his work. He, he used a really, really big brush, and the light is is bright and bold and very expressive. And so it's really great to see um, sort of that contrast. And especially this week, since our weather changed, we're, we're kind of experiencing the paintings yeah. like we're experiencing the weather outside. You can almost, you know, go in the galleries every day and, and find a, a seascape that matches what's happening, 
you know, 20 yards outside the museum because we have the water so close by. So, so if you definitely want to appreciate the landscape and get a sense of light and of water and that sort of thing, Thomas Hunt's a really great artist to look at because we're, we're seeing things that are familiar to us, but also things that are on the other side of the country for a really great contrast. So I know you're the communications guy, but I know you you know what the curators are up to. So are, is that was a conscious decision to cover sort of these different periods at one time in the art and nature and in this stretch, this this third of the year? Absolutely. Our, our director, Malcolm Warner, and our curator, Janet Blake, work together and, and are planning exhibitions years in advance. So um, everything's plotted out far, far in advance. And there's definitely an effort to make sure that we have sort of a variety of mediums at once. So we know people love to see the early landscape paintings of California, and some people love contemporary art and not the other. So we try to have as much of as, as much of anything as possible in the building at once. So that's why, you know, at this time we have a new commissioned work of art and uh, works from the 1920s, plus photography, plus etching. We try to represent as much of that as possible. So that explains the different mediums that we have in these exhibitions, and and it was also definitely a conscious effort to sort of get these to line up with, with some thread between them connected yes. to that theme of art and nature. Because we, you know, we think of nature so much in Laguna Beach because it's a, it's a beautiful environment, but also people here are eco-conscious. And then this event or, or a schedule of events that we put on for the Art and Nature program help us think about the environment in terms of science and ecology and things like that. So with these exhibitions, there's, there's sort of that theme always present so that they, they relate to one another and they relate to the larger program as well. So you celebrated 100 years in existence last year. Right. And I, and I, you know what, I checked out a little bit around on the, the, the World Wide Web and people, you are loved. We just got it. I want more people to know it's sort of a, it's such a, such a jewel right there. It's sort of a people are there for the coastline and for sort of trying a little bite of something different, you know, on the economy. And there you are with this exquisite curated series of exhibitions. So I, I do you have anything to say about the, the 100 years in existence? Or, and I want to open it up with how you are setting up so many programs around this and talk about your clientele too, but being there for 100 years, what, what was that celebration about last year? Just last I'm, I'm year. happy you remembered because we still feel like celebrating, even though it ended last year, we're, we're beyond it, but we're still really excited to, to say that we're now more than 100 years old. Um, so for listeners who don't know exactly, Laguna Beach is a town that's you know relatively young in the world, but relatively old in California. Um, artists were coming here around the turn of the century, around the turn of the 20th century when, when there wasn't much here. They were coming to see the natural environment and really getting all sorts of great scenes to paint with mountains and seascapes and that sort of thing. So artists were some of the first people um, who were spending a lot of time in Laguna Beach and, and in a lot of ways they're the people who founded the city. They founded, even before there was a chamber of commerce in Laguna Beach, there was a Laguna Beach Art Association and that was officially founded in 1918, so we got to celebrate the centennial of that last year. Yes. And the people who made that association sort of spun off from it um, what is now the Art Museum and the Playhouse and the Pageant of the Masters. All those things sort of came from that group that was so active then. Um, and we have those people to thank sort of for the culture of the town that we all enjoy today. So definitely those, those people contributed to you know, what's now a city that's so well known for the arts. So we celebrated the founding of the association that, that began in 1918, and we're on the same place almost where they've always been. 
that large room that right now has an amazing video installation. Yes. Actually, the original museum, that, that one room was yes. built in 1929 as the association's first gallery, and the rest of the museum kind of grew up around it over the years. So as much as we you know, really love modern and contemporary art and everything that's happening today, we're always really uh, proud of and, and grateful for that past and absolutely like to represent that and, and show off a little bit. So thanks for remembering it. Absolutely, absolutely. So let's talk about the the kinds of programs that you have going on while right presently, and then we can talk about how you build them all the way up there. There, you're going to be having another film coming up. Um, that's right. We have a film every month. Uh, most of our programs take place on Thursdays. We stay open late every Thursday until nine o'clock, so people who are at work or school might have time to get here after those things on Thursday, and and. For that reason, we get to schedule more programs. Those seem like a, a good night to have it. So on the second Thursday of every month, a music program inside the museum, and on the third Thursday of every month, we have a film. So those are series that continue on, and we also do lectures. And, and on the first Thursday, we're open in combination with the city's Art Walk event, so we're open on that day as well, often with live music. Those yes. are here for tours and that kind of thing. So no matter which Thursday you choose, uh, we're open late, and there's something really great happening inside the building. Well, I'm going to play out the the interview with the uh, the saxophone quintet that you presented about oh, four or five uh, months ago. That was at at the the main the steel gallery there. So we'll, we'll we're all we're covering this in every single way we can. So, what kinds of docent opportunities are there for people? Because I I know a few, and I how how does do people Either they can participate in this, or how do they sign on to receiving the services of a docent? Our docents are amazing people. So yeah. if you've never, if someone is listening and hasn't been on a tour, we really recommend that our docents are all volunteers. They're people who spend their time here with us out of their own goodness. They're not being paid. <laughs> they're here because they like to be. And they spend a long time, in fact, um, many, many, many months training with our education department to become docents. And then they have ongoing training after that to learn a lot about our exhibitions and programs so that they are really a great resource to tell you um, all sorts of things about the art that's on view and to give you a really good experience so that you can learn about it in your own way um, along with them. And, and they're here every day. So every day that we're open, which is every day except for Wednesday, um, there are docents here at 11 o'clock standing by to give a tour. So if you if you walk in any day of the week other than Wednesday, there's a docent here, and you can go on a tour with them, and that's included with museum admission. Um, if 11 o'clock doesn't work, though, there's a, a form on our website, or you could even give us a call to schedule a tour. We were able to schedule tours, especially for groups okay. at other times and that sort of thing. And, and again, they're, they're incredibly highly trained and very well educated and very, very um, engaging people to, to experience the museum with. So if you feel like art might be intimidating or if you'd just like to get a, a closer, more in-depth look, these are the people who have the best experience for you. So, and, and the school groups, do, uh, do you make that happen? Yes, we have lots and lots of school groups. Um, the docents and our education team work to make sure that our school groups get sort of a, a a custom tour in many cases because the teachers needed to align with their curriculum or with something that's going on in the classroom. The school groups are here all the time. Um, many of them have programs that are happening in their classroom before or after they come to the museum. Um, and our educators get out into local schools as well. So school groups are a big, big part of what we do. We want to be sure that every kid 
um, who visits the museum or, or kids who we visit who haven't been here yet um, get a really good experience, not only in visiting, visiting the exhibitions and seeing art, but also creating art themselves and kind of getting those tools, if they've never had them before, to, to explore that and to complement the rest of their education. And how's the best way to get hold of all you guys? Um, that's also on the website. So I don't mean to push people there too much, but that's how it works these days, right? So if you, if you look at our programs section on the website, you'll see lots of things under education where you can request a tour for your group or request a school tour or find out more about docents. Um, all that stuff is right there online. And, and there's also on, on another page you can see a, an entire staff list and email the person who you need to, who you need to reach because we're here for everybody in our community, whether they're visiting or staying here, we're, we're absolutely happy to welcome people to the museum and help them find the best experience. And you're there at 307 Cliff Drive in Laguna Beach. And just for, for people to make a note of that, let's, let's talk about how you decide. I'm not talking about how you decided in this particular installation is a combination of, of, of exhibits, but how you decide where, I mean, the, where are all the works, too? I know it's a secret, but it's not, to, um, you, lots, it's a huge permanent collection, and it's way off-site, correct? In southern, uh, southern Orange County? Some of it is. So the, the museum has a permanent collection of more than 3,000 works of art. Wow. Um, and that's always growing. I think, um, in fact, there, there are probably new collections entering the work every month or, or at least several times per year. So the museum's always adding to its permanent collection because it's, it's part of our mission to collect um, works of California art that are created by artists here or who live and work here or that otherwise represent the life and history of our state. So, so that's really central to our mission. Um, and, and some of the works are here. Of course, some of the works are on the wall. You can come visit them right now. But of course, most of the 3,000 are, are in storage. Just right. We don't have enough wall space for them. So some of them are stored um, in a really secure place inside the museum. And some are, like other museums do this too, um, in, an, in an off-site place. So in South Orange County, there is a place um, that's, that's you know, off-site, but, but very secure storage for the museum's collection. Um, and that's pretty typical. Most museums, even large ones, eventually run out of storage space or something like that. So they, they do that sort of thing. Well, it is beautiful. And if we did our job right, we have really seduced listeners. They're, they're, we could say the real people of Orange County, you're, you're, sort, you're a person, and the real institutions of Orange County, the Laguna Art Museum, it is, it's as one a review I read online, Cody, it's a five-star worthy of any large metropolitan art museum. I saw some of the paintings. Oh, well, then they went on and on. But that it's, it is a five-star art museum. So Absolutely. We're, it's a small museum in a small city, but some people here like to say that we punch above our weight, and we, we absolutely mm -hmm. feel that way and, and work very hard to do that. So even though our museum isn't big, we absolutely are committed to top-notch exhibitions and great programs and we want to be sure that we offer that to as many people as possible. So it's it's good to hear feedback like that one that you just found. Oh well, you know where you can you can always get lots and lots of feedback. So, is there any um, th anything special to the holidays? Let's say for previewing for people to besides seeing the exhibit, something else that you haven't already told us about, so people can start putting this down on their calendar. Um, sure. So in addition to those exhibitions, and there are four right now that we're right. going over. They're they're all great. Um, but as I mentioned, we do have those programs every Thursday right. night, and one that I especially like for the holidays is our film screening in December. I'm not sure how this happened, but somehow it has become a holiday tradition 
Laguna Art Museum to show Pee Wee's Playhouse Christmas really? special in December. Ah. So we're, we're screening that on December 19th, and it's, it's a strange and fun and exciting movie. It's, it's all sorts of things all in one, and, and we think it's kind of a great way to think about the holidays in Laguna Beach. So that's, that's what I'm looking forward to on December 19th. Um, we have a few other things, though, that are not on Thursdays. We've, we're kind of about halfway through a series that we're calling the Lunchtime Lecture Series, just because it happens to happen at lunchtime on Wednesdays. Even though they're, they're a series of lectures, you can also take them individually. Um, so we have those happening as well. I think we have those on December 4, December 11, and December 18. And those are sort of um, covering art history other than California art history. There's a really great art historian, Dr. Julia Friedman, who I think teaches now at LCAD and has been at some other universities nearby before, who has a, a really great series in which she's looking at the landscape. So again, uh, we, might have, we might have twisted her arm a little bit to yeah. think about art in Good. nature, but she's put together this amazing series on landscape, and so those are happening um, throughout December as well. Well, Cody Lee, I am so glad that you could be available today for the show, and Cody Lee was my guest. He's the Director of Communications at the Laguna Art Museum, talking about the current exhibitions and what's coming up now and over the holidays. And it's a treasure there at Laguna Beach, just very close to where the Laguna Highway empties into Pacific Coast Highway there. So it's it's there for the taking. So, Cody Lee, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I appreciate your time. It's been good. Thank you, everyone, for listening.